0: The most profound thing for me was an experiment in this documentary, and it's in the book, of the split atom theory. So they were shooting atoms through Mm. a hole, a slit, because they wanted to observe whether the atom, because it's an energy, would hit the wall in dot form or whether it would hit the wall in a wave. Mm.
1: You are entering the Age Rebels Revolution
0: the intelligent podcast for over 40s who want to live their best life and defy your numbers. We are your hosts, Summer Bentley
1: and Isaac Xavier.
0: Come on in. Isaac and I are avid readers and have always loved delving into a great book book nerds, aren't we? Mm -hmm. We've both immersed ourselves in the paper versions of books, converted to eBooks when we travel, and you will forever hear Isaac chowing down on an audible or podcast over breakfast. (laughs) If you're one of Isaac's neighbors, you'll be a highly intelligent neighbor. (laughs) Although technology has changed, our experience of books, our love for them has only ever increased. Here are our most favorite books that- created the greatest impact on our lives and the reasons why.
1: You go first.
0: Thanks. So I have three incredible books to share with you and a bonus book to throw in. The impact they have had on my life has been ineffable, which means unable to put it into words. Mm -hmm one of my favorite words is inevitable word, because it, yes. it means you can't put it into words. It's like an oxymoron. <laughs> it's a bit, isn't it? So one of them was actually a DVD, but you can buy it in a book series. And I, I just want to go into the story of how this DVD slash book came into my life because it is pretty mind blowing, even when I think back on it. So at that period of my life, I was going through literally a stripping bear experience where- the illusion of my life that I'd created was falling away, it was cracking and crumbling and just falling away. Like in the tarot, there's that tower card. Yep. That's what it felt like. It felt like everything was just collapsing. Mm. And it was all, it feels like walking through hell, <laughs> but it's actually just the chaos that happens before you get to the level you've already upgraded to. So things must fall away in order to move into a new place, a new yeah. order. Yeah, And it, it's an energy thing. It's not woo-woo. It's measured in science. Mm. So I had been called into a meeting with some business partners that essentially I had lost faith in myself and I had joined our business with another business. They were on our back about, come and join me with come and join me with it's going to be huge, blah, blah, blah. So we had our first seasonal lull, which nobody warned me that was going to happen and no income coming in. So I shit myself and I, I didn't back myself. I knew what to do and I didn't do it and I took the easy road and that was join forces with people I thought knew more than me this person decided it was a great idea to groom me as her protege. Mm -hmm. And I never wanted to be anybody's protege. I wanted to be me, not a mini me of somebody else. Mm. So I felt resistance. And the moment we moved down from the city to the country to where they were, I felt sick. I had three months of migraines. So there was the first sign. Then after uh, six months, I think it was, might've been less. Uh, I got called into a meeting with them and because I'd made a couple of inquiries uh, about a particular project, not even decisions, just inquiries, they stripped me bare, literally tore shreds off me sitting on the couch. And this is just my perspective. So Mm -hmm. I'm sure their perspective was that I was probably a uh, defiant teenager Mm. or whatever their perspective is. but my entire world fell apart in that moment. And in four hours, I'd lost everything that I thought was my life. So I packed my car, packed my things, drove to my mum's, collapsed on her couch in tears and just shock really of what just happened. It was like, they say when you birth a baby too quickly, you could die because of the shock. Well, that's kind of how I felt. I felt like the death of my life was so acute that I didn't know how to breathe anymore. I was just trying to figure mm, it out. Mm. So in all of that haze, I didn't lock my car and I, I fell asleep on the couch from emotional exhaustion. And I w- woke up the next morning and all of my stuff, including my camera, everything about my life was stolen out of my car that night. Oh, so shit. I was like, what is going on? That literally, I've mm. lost everything that I knew was my life. In a similar period of time, all my high school friends decided they didn't want to be friends with someone like me and Mm. literally everything fell away. And it was such a – it sounds so esoteric, but it was an absolute gift because I got to reorder my life in the way it was meant and better for me. And I had to get to a point – I was so broken where life happened for me as mm-hmm. opposed to me controlling it, which is what I was doing, I was forcing a square peg in a round hole. And honestly, that experience saved my ass because the, that couple went broke, and mm-hmm. we got we were able to exit without that experience. Although it sent us on a seven-year downward spiral. So it's a long time. <laughs> it's a long time. So I'm driving through the countryside, uh, going returning back after losing everything and everything and everything, and I'm driving back to pick up furniture and. Clothes and various things. And this bus, I'm literally in the middle of nowhere. And when I was traveling Africa, they called it Buttfuck Nowhere. <laughs> oh, really? So I was in the middle of nowhere, and this bus drives past me with all this sort of quantum y artwork on it. And it said, What the bleep do we know? Now, I do not know how that bus got there. Uh, that was on a bus. It was on a bus. Wow! I do not know why it was in the middle of nowhere. I do not know why it captured me and and just completely froze time for me. I felt like it drove past me in slow motion.
1: Do you think it was real or it's just some I sort don't of apparition? Because that sounds bizarre. That I still wonder. <laughs> it's, it's that book. Yeah, that movie, and on the side of a bus. And in the middle of nowhere? In
0: literally, honestly, the best you'll get out of this little little place is a bakery. So it just blew me away. And I thought, what is that? And I retained the name on the side of the Mm. bus, got back home after collecting some stuff, Googled it, found it was actually a documentary. And it gave me everything I needed to understand what had just happened to Mm. me and what to do with it. And it actually set me on a really powerful path that ironically, this is many, many years later, probably over 10 years later, I'm now only just coming back to all of that in a really powerful way. So it's taken a really long time, but all of that knowledge is built up. Now, what it introduced to me was the work of Dr. Joe Dispenza, which mm-hmm. I've immersed in quite considerably, and Dr. Mazzaro Emoto. It- the most profound thing for me was an experiment in this documentary, and it's in the book, of the split atom theory. So they were shooting atoms through mm. a hole, a slit, yeah. because they wanted to observe whether the atom, because it's an energy, would hit the wall in dot form or whether it would hit the wall in a wave. Mm. Don't worry about whether you understand that or not.
1: Particle wave, that sort of stuff. Yes. Yeah, yeah.
0: Uh, mm. But what they found was the atom behaved according to the scientist expectation that was in the room. So it kept changing behavior and they started to link it to what the scientist was observing. So this brought me to, oh my gosh, we get what we see or what we think about, what we visualize. Mm. We actually have the ability to manipulate atoms and things around us to Mm. create a type of experience, reality, people, places, things. So I jumped down the rabbit hole of all of that. That led to me to Dr. Joe Dispenza's work because I honestly believed after all of that and after seeing Dr. Masaru Emoto's work with when you meditate and put intentions, both positive and negative, into water, what it does to the water mm, molecules, yep. they're highly influential. Yep. It got me to understand that our thoughts have a power over the cells of our body and how they behave. So I'm going to say my first one is – what the bleep do we know? Whether you want to watch it, listen to it, or read it, mm-hmm. that changed my life in a way that literally saved my life because I was feeling pretty damn low. I, I think I was as rock bottom as I've ever been in my life in at that period of time in my life.
1: And you discovered Joe Dispenza when he was doing small talks Around the world, like in Melbourne, was it like a town Town hall hall. or something, (laughs) you know, way before. That was like- there was
0: like 300 people, if you were lucky, in this room. Yeah. And I was besotted. I'm like, I want a photo. I just knew this was a thing. And uh, I created programs and things as a result of everything I learned.
1: Mm. Hey, rate and review us and we'll love you even more.
0: The second book, and this is all very nerdy, but it's fascinating, was- it's The Thought That Counts by a Dr. David R. Hamilton. Now, I have met him mm. numerous times as well as I've met Dr. Joe a few times. And this book was all about how people have literally made the decision to heal their own body even though they were terminal. One example was a guy with liver – is it called cirrhosis? cirrhosis. Yep. Yes. yes. And uh, it was a, a death sentence. Mm. And he spent – many, many hours visualizing. <laughs> By the way, listeners, Isaac is just holding in yawns like nobody's been- No,
1: no, I'm letting them go. Oh, I am. Th- but <laughs> we'll talk about yawns. Um, they're truth yawns. When people start to talk the truth, and I have to explain this to them, so if ever we go out to dinner or something, <laughs> I'll actually say, okay, I'm about to do probably about five, maybe even ten big yawns. I am not tired. I'm not bored. This is just my body releasing energy and CO2. All right. Please back, continue. Back
0: to the point. <laughs> so, um, <clears throat> yes- it's the thought that counts. Was not one of his big books, but it's my favourite book because it talks about the guy with liver cirrhosis who literally spent time visualising cleaning every single cell of his liver, and I think it was he cleaned it with a toothbrush to mm. regenerate the cells. And many months later, he was he had his next test and his cells were hundred percent repaired. It's amazing. Yeah? And it wasn't long after that, that I had a pap smear and I was diagnosed with a severe abnormality that was getting progressively worse quite quickly. Wow! So I thought, Oh my gosh, you know, my daughter was one year old and I thought I can't die. So, and I knew that um, that kind of cancer can be quite aggressive mm. and it wasn't cancer yet, but it was pre-cancerous cells. So I went away and did the same philosophy as this guy with the liver disease. Mm-hmm. And, I shit you not, (laughs) people are going to think I'm crazy, but I was so deep in this meditation. It's like I had a quantum moment Mm. where I felt like someone had flicked my, my insides with a rubber band. It was such a flick, like an explosion in my uterus. And I woke up and burst into tears knowing with every ounce of me that it was done, that I did it. And my um, gyno appointment was the following day and they spray vinegar inside you. And it was like they sprayed so much vinegar, it was running down my butt crack and burning my butthole. What's with the vinegar? (laughs) The vinegar turns uh, abnormal cells white so they know where to laser. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. And where where to biopsy. Mm. There was nothing. And he said to me, there's a, sorry for the graphics, Um, but there is a camera and a TV screen and I love the body. I don't Mm. care what body part it Mm. is. And he said, look, have a look. He said, this is the healthiest cervix I've ever seen. I don't understand this. And I burst out laughing and as I'm laughing, vinegar's running out.
1: (laughs) 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 What women put up. Oh,
0: I had no shame at that point. Mm. I was like, Mm. I'm just so, I'm on cloud nine. I I just felt invincible. So I go into the office and he said, I can't explain it. I don't know what to tell you. I'm so worried that I've missed something. I need you to come back and do a biopsy higher up. And I said, knock yourself out. You're not going to find anything. Do you want to know what I did? And I told him and he looked at me and he said, well, I can't prove that in science, but I've got the proof. There's the evidence. Yeah. Yeah. There's nothing there and you are very healthy. I have never had an abnormal cell there since. Mm. And Molly was one, she's now 17. So that was the second one. The third one is The Biology of Belief by Dr. Bruce Lipton. I'm actually going to see him in Switzerland in Country neutral <laughs> in November. I am so excited. Him and Greg Brayton. So I have seen wow. them live before. Very excited to see them again in one of my favorite countries in the world. And he delves very deeply into the cells themselves and how our actual thoughts create a chemical concoction in the limbic system, which then goes through the blood system and interacts with receptors on the cell. Now, the brain is what determines cell behavior, not the body. So the brain will send the messages, including chemicals, which are emotions, Mm -hmm. also known known as hormones as well. They act like a key in a lock on the cell. They unlock the cell to create a message that goes into the cell and causes a conversation that can change the way the cell behaves, which Mm is why I Mm -hmm. healed and the guy with liver disease healed. And it is called epigenetics. And I've got a little summary of epigenetics, which I think is profound in the book. Epigenetics is the science of how environmental signals select, modify, and regulate gene activity. This new awareness reveals that our genes are constantly being remodeled in response to life experiences, which again emphasizes that our perceptions of life shape our biology. Mm -hmm. How profound. If you don't have a good perception of life... You're yeah. probably not going to last that long with yeah. vitality. You're not going to have the vitality.
1: Yeah, well, let's say in neuroscience that's the, um, the genes load the gun but the environment pulls the trigger and Ooh. environment, which includes your thoughts, like what's affecting those genes.
0: So powerful. I'm just going to read you this one bit and I'll get on to my bonus one mm-hmm. and then I can't wait for yours because I'm looking at your books on the – the desk here, (laughs) and I'm just juicing over all of the intellect that's there. So the evolution of the limbic system provided a unique mechanism that converted the chemical communication signals into sensations that could be experienced by all of the cells in the community being in your body. Our conscious mind experiences these signals as emotions. Mm. So what that means is our emotions tell our cells how to behave that in yeah. summary. Yeah. Which brings me to my fourth one and I know I'm a mm-hmm. super nerd. Okay, mm. just bear with me. Molecules of Emotion by the late Dr. Candace Pert. How now, cool is she? Oh my gosh. What's she? Her her book is mm. so phenomenal and she wove into that um, book the journey of being in the field of of science and and uh, what do they call it when they're in the labs and stuff like that? <laughs> yeah, well, she was a
1: professor, wasn't she? She was a professor. Yeah, like full-on science person. It
0: was so negative, attacking, egotistical, just extraordinary what, what the real circumstances were at, during her time in yeah. those environments. But she found that... The receptors on the cells, there is a specific receptor that does receive the molecule or the emotion, the chemical concoction for love, and it is the exact same receptor that receives heroin. Wow. That to me blew my mind because I look back on my policing days and I think about all the people that I met that were addicted to heroin living on the streets, they usually experienced an absence of love. Yeah. Yeah. So then that gave me a lot of compassion for well, mm. a lot of them played the victim card a lot, which is why they stayed there. Mm. And I was sat in a room with a lot of them in the room in a halfway house listening to their conversations. And it just it was really obvious why some people got out and some people didn't. But it does make a lot of sense why it is so addictive. Yeah. So there you go. That's my my three and a bonus four. <laughs>
1: I'll give you four and raise you another four. I got eight.
0: <laughs> I know, but that's <laughs> you.
1: But A um, little <laughs> brief, brief on each. Okay. So first one, Eight Steps to a Pain-Free Back, the most lame title for a book that every human being, especially fitness professionals, health professionals, really would have a lot of benefit from reading. And so basically Esther Gokley. She, um, so this book came out in 2008, I probably read it 2010 and what she experienced, she had a child and horrendous back pain, ended up having an operation and she thought, something's not quite right here. So she traveled the world, especially she went to this amazing institute in France that they work on very much on posture and movement, and she travelled to indigenous country, you know, indigenous places, and found that this very interesting concept, which I talk about a lot, called kinesthetic tradition, which is basically where the grandparents would teach the, the their children, plus also the grandchildren, how to do everything as far as movement and posture. wasn't just um, standing up straight; it was a way of being. So, firstly, if you're doing things that are biomechanically incorrect and you need your body to survive, to fetch wood, carry water, build your house, go hunting, all of that. If you're doing things with poor mechanics, you're going to break and you won't eat, you won't survive. So it was very much about survival. And so she goes through the whole book about sitting, standing, walking. It's called glide walking. Yeah. And so I talk about in that last podcast about, Rather than tense, tidy, whitey, or more salsa, so more grounded and more soft, and it's and she goes through everything of how to move, like the and she gives examples all over the world, Brazil, Africa, they're the, the main two, and it's it, you see it, the evidence is still there, and if you travel to these countries, because they're a, a lot of them very westernized, they've got all the poor posture and rounded and back issues and neck and jaw and all these problems, but you still see the ones that are living the more village life. And I I remember there was a client of mine, he said, oh my God, yes, because he's in India as well. He said that if we couldn't sit with our legs crossed, our grandfather would say, okay, you've come and we'll do some more yoga. We need to open up your hips and things like that. And people talk about sitting, uh, sitting is the new smoking and it's, it's not like sitting down. It's not the sitting. It's what's happening emotionally when you are sitting, but also how you're sitting. And she said, well, I saw women who were in India at uh, their loom sitting there for 12 hours a day, and they would be joking and having fun and loving what they were doing and sitting with really tall posture. None of them had any problems. So that book had a profound effect on how I teach people because it all comes back to the real simple basics of how to hip hinge, which is like a deadlift, how to squat, how to sleep, everything. It's like very, very cool. So yeah, that's, a, love that, it. that's a cracker. If you're ready to age young, discover the truth about accessing the fountain of youth and claiming your best ever health.
0: Check out our beautiful website at com. Dot au, where you will find freebies, programs, and more.
1: The next one, the Mind Body Code by Neuropsychoimmunologist Mario Martinez. That
0: is quite a title. <laughs> is. Neuropsychoimmunologist.
1: Yeah. So basically here the, the main thing I got, he has this whole like um, Bruce Lipton uh, as with the biology of belief. He very much gets into and he takes you through this wonderful exercise where you can check in with your body when you make a certain statement or go back to a certain event and see where it happens in your body and you can release it. But the big thing I got from him was how he said that aging is a social construct, as in your belief in aging badly or aging well. And he interviewed a lot of centenarians, you know, people over a hundred. And I remember this. There was this one guy he um, he interviewed. And he said, um, so what do you say when um, people ask how old you are? And he goes, oh, I just say, I tell him, it's none of my business.
0: (laughs) I've not heard it like that, but I like it. I think I'll take that on It's so
1: funny, you know, so how old are you? It's like, oh God, that's none of my business.
0: (laughs) Really? Why do we need to know? Yeah. Don't you think it's just a negative Mm -hmm. association with
1: numbers? Yeah. Yeah. And he, he gives examples all over the world where you have groups in Japan where the elders are really revered. And I remember I was um, traveling and I, in the um, the lounge waiting and there was a whole group of Japanese tourists and there was probably about 20 of them. And they were all easy, 60, 70, probably two had a little bit of gray hair and they were like little kids, the way they move, the way they talk, showing each other photos. And so it's He said it's very much the social construct. And he gave an example, which is brilliant, about about the power of belief. And there was a study done where over a 20-year period, 70s to 90s, where these um, researchers said, I wonder if the superstition has an effect on people's health. And so they said, well, how are we going to measure this? So they looked at the incidence of heart attacks every day for 20 years, and they wanted to see whether or not the belief around numbers, because in Japanese and Chinese language, the number four and the word death look very similar and sound very similar in the word. And so they checked the fourth of every month for right across the whole of the USA, so all other races compared to Asian um, Americans. And on the fourth of every month, on average, there was a 27% increase in heart attacks on the fourth. Wow. And this was That's huge. Huge. Yeah. And they said, so why is this happening? Because the stress of that superstition <laughs> created the heart attack. It's wow. called the Hound of the Baskervilles effect wow. because the Detective in the Hound of the died of a heart attack because of stress. So it shows you the power of belief. Mm. And that and his whole book is very much about these sort of things. And so that was a real game changer. So when people say, ah, oh, you know, it's just it's not really in your head, it's like, well, there's an example. You yeah. can't you can't and that's total objective data yeah. that they just
0: You know, I'm just I need to interject and yeah, say God. my favourite study was the one, you and I have both quoted this, mm. was when they put people over 70 into an environment 20 years or something prior yeah. and their arthritis disappeared because they spent a week yep. reading the papers from the 60s and watching TV shows from the 60s.
1: Dressing and, like that. Yes, and the food. their
0: brain automatically mm. reverted back to that age and their body yep. reverted back yes. to that age. So yep. they kept repeating it and and ramped up the environment to replicate even more so. Yep. And they got better and better results. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Really interesting. Yep. All right. Number Next. four, high achiever. That's actually number three. <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> okay. we, we might not get to eight. No, no.
1: Anatomy Trains, Thomas Myers. So basically, he spoke all about the myofascial lines. I won't go into great detail about it. If you love knowing about the body, Check this book out. It is a Bible on understanding the whole, how the body all connects to this amazing stuff called fascia. The understanding of how everything is connected in our bodies, that was an absolute game changer. I show my clients every day these lines throughout the body and how everything's totally connected. It gives them a much better picture because when I'm training people, I'll say to them, I want you to invite every cell in your body. You might be doing a bicep exercise, but I want to invite every cell in your body to help your bicep move and people are amazed. It's like, wow, I don't feel a burn in my bicep. It's like my whole body's lifting it up. It's like, yes, because that's mechanically what happens. You know? Mm. It's not just It's concept. like our
0: last podcast when we were talking about doing the power of doing less. It's yeah. you're taking spreading the load across the body. And I know you taught me mm. that philosophy. Mm. And for me, having an understanding of the fascia. Mm. has been a huge revelation when oh. it comes to pain, movement. Yes, Yeah, the connection from head to toe makes yeah. so much more sense when like, you show it or you look at it in mm. the book, you go,
1: oh. I really encourage people Google Anatomy of Trains by Thomas Myers. He's got some great videos, great diagrams, and it just gives you the appreciation of this incredible – thing we call our human body.
0: And ignorance is not bliss just because you're not a PT or whatever does not mean no. you should not spend time learning about your body. Like get into it, understand. Yes. So when these aches and pains come up, you're not outsourcing your solutions mm. to mm. people who don't know and live in your body. You are actually able to tune in and get some answers and results and be able to change your lifestyle for yourself as well as take on, you know, expert advice. But at mm. least You've, you're armed with knowledge. Yeah. yeah.
1: And it, and that's with all of my clients. I just constantly say educate them. I'll mm. give them stuff to look at. I'll print stuff out. i yes. yeah yes. Always educating. The more you know about your body, the more you're going to be able to look after it.
0: And also fall in love with it. Like I'm yes. fascinated with it. I yeah. love. I every day Ooh. I wake up and I put one hand, my left hand on my heart, and my right hand on my abdomen, and I'm like, oh, I love you. It's healthy. It's vital. It's strong. So healthy. It's it's um, agile. And yeah, I'm just Ooh. so grateful that I get to wake up every day, put my feet on the floor, go to the bathroom, feed Ooh. myself, you know, move. Yeah. And fix aches and pains and, and do all of that. It's incredible.
1: Can you imagine if we got amnesia about how old we are?
0: Oh, that'd be great. I'll take that. You know?
1: And you <laughs> Maybe to, that's yeah. why
0: people with dementia um, do actually, I know a lot of them do pass away, but I mm. also know a particular family member. She um, lived to well into her 90s, well into with mm. dementia. And I think it's because she believed she was younger. Yeah. Yeah, which is really traumatic for the family members, because they have to finance and they have to deal with not being known, etc. Mm. So it's very, very traumatic. But it's an interesting theory.
1: Yeah, that's the yeah the the power of belief.
0: Well, I'm pretty interested in this next mm, one because okay. it's a little bit left of center.
1: Mm, okay, so <laughs> preframe this one. I went to a workshop back in the '90s, and it was all about it was. Initially about Chinese medicine and the body and all that sort of thing, and he quoted this book. And it's called the Taoist, spelled T A O, Taoist Secrets of Love: Cultivating Male Sexual Energy by Mantak Chia. Mm. So essentially, what this this book teaches you is that we have this incredible energy in our genital area, the whole reproductive area that creates life. There's nothing more powerful than that if it's going to create a life. And with guys, because especially from the moment you hit puberty, it's, you just have this energy that's always wanting to procreate. And any guy can tell you it, the frustration, the embarrassment, where you'd be sitting in class for no reason, you get an erection, you're like, oh, really, again? <laughs> bloody Oh, hell. my
0: gosh. I can't imagine. You know, and,
1: and, and Billy Conley spoke about once. He just said, I wish we could sort of bank them because we fucking need it now, you know. <laughs> I want them back.
0: That's so brilliant. <laughs> just, but just, God forbid we'd have a whole bunch of more, even more horny old men. <laughs> I don't know that we want that.
1: I just remember <laughs> him saying, Pamela, quick, before it goes down. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I digress. T- so what this is about, it's about using – the pelvic floor muscles to be able to draw the energy out of your groin and put it up into your body. Now, two really good benefits of this one, that when you are feeling like, oh my God, and especially you can imagine when you work in a gym and there's half naked women, because now they, for some reason women don't wear much clothes in the gym. It's quite it's Yeah,
0: like, and I, they wear new color clothing. Know, I'm still wrapping my head yeah, around that one.
1: And so you can get, it, it's, They've actually done studies where they actually watch, they'll show men pictures of women in in lingerie and all of a sudden their whole system goes into this procreation mode. It's not just some esoteric concept. So you want to be it's a, it's a thing that men, you don't have, it's not your fault that it happens to you, but you got to take responsibility to be out. You want, don't want to be feeling like that. So draw the energy so you draw it up out right up your spinal cord into your brain and you can spread it to your body i've been doing this since i was 24 now like all day you know like every hour i'll just draw all of that energy up and i can make you, you know you, you're getting it when you get this tingle up your spine you can get it right out to every like to your fingers and your toes and the other benefit is men listening and women who want their men to last better and have a better experience in the bedroom. When you get to that point of orgasm, you stop, like you get to about, say, when you're first done you stop at about a six out of 10 before you're about to lose it. And you stop and you draw that energy out of your pelvis and into your body. And not only does it help you last longer, because it's not about lasting longer, but you want to have a better experience and women doesn't want to be It's like, that was it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> and it's just before your opportunity comes along yes
1: oh. um yep. so that and that was an absolute game changer for that that area of my life, but also what it does is the the secrets of being able to exchange energies so you give the woman your yang energy and and she, and you can take on her yin and vice versa and it makes the Whole lovemaking, this incredible event, rather than just being physical and just being friction. So, it's a way of really deepening your relationship. Yeah, um, I love. I love that. That one is an absolute. And he's got uh, also the exact same book for women.
0: He does, yes, which Mm. I have read, and there are some really powerful practices with the ovaries, etc., of bringing energy into those. Which uh, can't. You have to be sitting in a certain position because it is so potent. Yes. Um, But uh, so, what you're saying is, um, I need to talk to Dave and tell him that pick and shovel, pick and shovel, pick and shovel is not the answer. <laughs> that's what he says. What's pick and shovel? <laughs> Stops him from going too soon. He's oh. going to kill me for saying that. <laughs> pick and shovel, pick and shovel, pick and shovel. Oh, yes. I so you, don't know what that is. No, so
1: that's distracting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you distract yourself. No, what you want to do is consciously draw it out. I'll lend in the book. Yeah. I'll lend in the book. He doesn't read. That's okay. When I'm training him, I'll read in chapters. Can, yes,
0: can you please do <laughs> that? No, he's magnificent. I have nothing to complain about. But no. I, we do joke about it, and that's yeah. what the joke is.
1: Actually, what I could do, because it's not an audio book, I'll just make an audio, and then um, he can play it when he's driving. That's a
0: great idea. Yes. I like that.
1: <laughs> okay, next one. So that's a cracker. All
0: right, this is going to be the yeah. last one because okay. we're running short on time. Yes.
1: Okay, The Resilience Project by Hugh Van Kahlenberg and also wrote a second one called Let Go. He, if you're going to read these books, listen to them. He is such a great narrator. He has this wonderful way of talking. And it's his whole incredible story of how he went, how he decided to be a school teacher. And then he went to India and met this little kid called Stanson, who was just had this incredible appreciation and gratitude. So now that he's got this acronym, GEM, the gratitude, empathy, and mindfulness, and has spoken to a million people across Australia, um, now taking it to New Zealand and the UK. That is one book I just say to people, and I get all my clients, like, listen to these Mm, two books. I love that book. They are absolute – Game changers, and they're so simple. The principles—they're—they're they're absolutely, yeah, they're, they're really powerful. Wonderful. You
0: got me onto the book; I mm. could not stop listening to it. Yeah. Then you invited me to come along, and I took Molly and the uh, young boy Heath to his talk in Brisbane. Yes, but. Honestly, the, the uh, Stanson, yes. the little boy. Oh. So he was so just besotted by the smallest things that he would say, this, this. Yes. And it took Hugh a long time to figure out what he meant. And he meant, mm. you know, the simplest things like a broken swing was just so magical to him. This, yeah. this. So you and I, for a yeah. long time, were like, oh, this, yes. this. <laughs> it's so life-changing. It just opens up your perspective, doesn't it? It takes off the blinkers.
1: Yeah, and what he was trying to say was this, but they can't say T-H, so it's That's this. That's right, yes. And so just he would, you know, hold up a bowl of plain rice and go, "Sir, yes. this, and we'd look at it and go, where's the sauce? And he
0: had shoes yeah. without toes in them because yeah. he couldn't have, they couldn't yeah. afford shoes. This.
1: <laughs> so it's, it's one of those books where you listen to it and it permeates every part of your being because the story he tells – I won't go into it. I'd love you to go through it because it's so wonderful. Um, the story of his, why he became a schoolteacher to protect girls from what happened to his, daughter, uh, to his sister. Yes, yeah. it's
0: quite a profound story. Mm. And on that note, mm. we're going to wrap it up. But what yes. I will do is put links to the readable and the audible. There are some that we recommend readable and some that we recommend
1: audible. One, one readable. Uh, one audible that you've got to listen to is um, Green Lights by Matthew McConaughey.
0: Yeah, we'll leave that for another time. I have heard that that is quite good, but I will listen to it first and then perhaps we can have a chat about it. Yeah. But most certainly listen to The Resilience Project, but all the links mm. will be in the show notes. So go ahead and chow down on some of our favorite books if you're as nerdy as we are.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Ciao.
0: Love this podcast. How about you give us a positive review? We love five stars.
1: Thanks for joining this podcast. Want to take the conversation further and learn more about how to live an energised and pain-free life as you age?
0: Then jump into our website at agerebels.com.au.
1: Stay tuned for the next episode of the Age Rebels Revolution.